Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm SD Wickets and I'm joined as ever by Luke Perry. Luke, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Sam, on this uh, lovely Friday evening. How about you? I'm I'm very well. Um, we were going to be joined by Mario Lagos, but um, it would appear that a, a, a troublesome lasagna has gotten in his way. I'm not joking when I say this, that he will not be in the episode this week because he is making a lasagna and it has taken too long. Um, and people say we aren't uh, respectful of diversity. We we have uh, seemingly the most Italian man alive in our midst. Mm. Yes, uh, Mario will be uh, sorely missed um, as uh, I, th- I think will his lasagna if he manages to cook it. Yes, yes uh, well, it should be ready in any, any moment now, but he's already... He's missed a ship, the horse has bolted, and we will carry on without him. Um, so, Luke, you've um, you, you've written an article that I think w- w- is, is worth our discussing today. And this is a story that kind of emerged during the um, the mourning period between you know, the passing and the funeral of Elizabeth II. So we it, it didn't get the attention that it deserved from Bournebrook as a, as, a, you know, as a wider publication. But now that that period's over, we can sort of look back on things that kind of like slip through the cracks during that period um we can discuss this so throughout the morning period there were scenes of what i can only describe as being sectarian conflict within two different diasporas playing out in british streets so luke could you expand a bit on, on what happened in leicester this week so um in leicester as we know was the first city in the uk to um become mostly foreign born and that comprised of those of people with foreign heritage and very quickly, it has become a, a foreign land, basically, because of its uh, demographic composition. And within these little mini worlds, mini countries, as we can call them, um, there was a group, well, a neighbourhood of mainly Pakistani Muslims, uh, right next to a, um, a neighbourhood of mainly Indian Hindus. And um, for, for anyone who is familiar with Asian history knows that um, these two civilizations have not been able to get on for over a thousand years. And um, th- this has sort of been allowed to go unchecked and it's now exploded onto the streets, l- largely from just the false belief that just any foreign culture that arrives here will immediately not not just integrate, but is what the, the liberal establishment expects to do, which is just disintegrate. That's why they have the argument of the melting pot. Everything's just going to divert, divulge and converge into this just one mass of, I don't know, like cosmopolitan latte sipping, lawful neutral, some, something along those lines. But no, that's uh, human nature says that does not happen. People do have their own tribes, their own cultures and their own histories, and they are willing to fight for them. Mm-hmm. And so what initially sparked this uh, sectarian clashes in, in Leicester is uh, the, the, sort of the Sarajevo moment was, um, I think, Pakistan be India in a cricket match or vice versa. And so that led to, to um, just, uh, what do you call it, the temperature rising on the streets. And then once more join the crowd, more follow, and then once a clash happens, this... It, it, it happened again, of course, the, the genie was out of the bottle. And um, it, it's led to now what is sort of a very organised, very coordinated gang warfare, where the other side marches down the street in droves and in their COVID masks for health and safety reasons, and trying to intimidate the other into submission. 
and um, we've seen videos of um, Hindu temples being ransacked. We've seen videos of brawls on the streets, and uh, of course, plenty of footage of a muted British police force being unable to contain it. Mm -hmm. So, what's happening is uh, not unexpected from, if you look at it logically, but very frightening nonetheless. And of course, explains why um, white people are fleeing the cities in droves, for lack of a better expression. Mm. Yes, it's it's a it's a very um it's sort of it's something that we could have told you was was would have happened some time ago, but uh, you know, people don't really seem to listen to what the likes of us where, you know, if you if you import um vast numbers of people from far corners of the world, regardless of their, you know, prior associations to the British Empire, you will if you do that do that and then you also you are either unwilling or unable to integrate them in, in, into the dominant culture the the question of whether, whether you even can do that is still you know up, up for debate um if you make no effort to bring people in and kind of you know have them shed what baggage they leave behind um then it's inevitable that at some point you're going to have this sort of meeting of um contemporary violent gang culture with you know centuries old issues in a, a very different part of the world playing out here where they have you know no business playing. I mean, I, 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 recall, I recall being a kid and hearing stories of, you know, street fights between various Yugoslav uh, diasporas um, playing out in and around London. Um, you know, this, this is bound to happen sooner or later. And, you know, it, it's and in, in the video, um, one of the many videos of what's happening here, you see, you know, several high biz police jackets and they're just completely unable to control the crowd at all because, you know, not only is there no respect shown towards them, it's just sort of a, a, a single-minded, um, just destructive mob psychology going on. Well, it's it's a, in the end, it's it's a numbers game with um, theological backing behind it. If you have a um, a squad of Muslims or Hindus that are united by faith, there is very little to stop them. And uh, what when these, well opposing cultures when I mean, they've opposed each other in war for thousands of years and collide it, it, it's going to get very ugly now i think before we actually have seen clashes but it's not as violent as, as what we saw bloodthirsty as what we've seen in leicester but uh, in london clashes between indians and pakistanis this is happening all over mm -hmm. You, one thing you mentioned in the article that I found quite interesting was the idea of there being two sort of simultaneous realms in England. Um, you know, I think you and I are from quite insular places where you know I, I'm sort of from the, the 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 coastal fishing country, and you're from sort of the more rural part of East Anglia, um, where we don't really see these things until we go into an urban area, as you mentioned in the article, and then you're just sort of confronted with this, you know, completely alien world that is, you know, um, so far away from anything you you know in your regular home. Yeah, and you, you go to any urban area of significant size in this country and you'll see that in the flesh. I mean, I saw it when um, I first left my uh, sheltered life in East Anglia and moved to Birmingham for university. Now, Birmingham is... Uh, is just ethno pluralism in the flesh. Mm. It's it's a city of ghettos, to, to put it lightly. It's a city of where uh, the Indians live in this part, uh, the gay community lives in this part, the Muslims live in this part, the um, the, the white liberal colour 
white, white collar worker lives in a roughly the city centre, and you'll you'll have Chinatown um, just off the offshoot of the Bullring, and um, so yes, you can walk for twenty minutes in any direction, and you will wind up on a different planet. I remember driving through um, Digbeth once, Muslim part, and it just it, it was a, a foreign land. It's no one was in Western clothing. No shop or, or street sign was in English, and my uh, one of my fr- friends who was volunteering in the area said that he had to learn rudimentary Arabic, just because the, um, the locals did not speak English. Locals who have probably lived in England for longer than we have been alive. And I remember um, a case of what my mum was, what my mum often says to me when we talk about these issues, um, because where near me is town of Bedford that has a huge Italian and Greek Cypriot diaspora and um, one of the persons that she knows at school was the, the mother of um, one of the, the Greek immigrants. Uh, the children of course spoke English fine, they went to English schools but the mother, despite having been born in this country, did not speak a word of English. Every parent's evening her sons would have to translate what the teacher was saying back to them, which is, of course, is a huge conflict of interest if you think about it. It's just reminiscent of a land that, well, parts of land that have lost their soul. As I say, we are from the parts where England is still England. Mm. We still have an identity and a culture here, and we know our place. But the, these corners are, are shrinking, if you mm. could say that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh... It's very, it's you know, it's it's very strange to sort of see something like you know you 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 know you know it's be happening, but don't you aren't really exposed to it on a daily basis, kind of really explode out. It sort of makes it unavoidable. Um, you realize you know that you know perhaps you know there is um, you know I mean you mentioned uh, Enoch Powell in the article, um, someone who's quite possibly one of the most vilified British political figures of the last century, surpassed only perhaps by Oswald Mosley himself. Um, you know, he, he's someone who issued a, 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 a sort of a stark warning um, when the first waves of mass immigration were happening in this country, and he was, you know, he was even back then in the seventies, he was, you know, he was he was laughed out. His career was almost destroyed because of it. Um, and then with each passing year, it seems to be more vindicated every year. Yeah, um, perhaps. He, he was vilified at that point because I don't know, probably the Tories were deliberately becoming more liberal, or that because people who live in the present don't live in the future, they probably did think that his argument that, you know, the civilized country of Britain where we doff our caps would ever turn it into such a um, quasi violent mess. Mm. But it has, and Enoch Powell, he wasn't. You don't have to be intelligent to make this point. All you have to do is just to see that um, different cultures who defend their own culture to the death and who are imported from places that um, have a different attitude towards violence and outsiders, that it's going to break out um, onto British streets. Mm. And uh, what's also interests me about the, the Leicester debacle is that the, uh, the I think the governments of India and Pakistan have tried to lobby the British government to um, put a stop to the violence. Now, this, it's, it's very strange, isn't it, how a land and an, an island thousands upon thousands of miles away from India and Pakistan, continents and oceans away, has 
garnered significant interest by um, to the New Delhi and Islamabad government, mm. and how perhaps even the people inside those diasporas have a greater loyalty to their home nations than they do ours. Even even now, I mean, if you you know, th these aren't the people who are arriving in from the Channel. You know, these are possibly third, even fourth generation immigrants. Um, yeah. people you know who have had. I mean, let's just just to assume that um, their ancestors came in the first wave of of groups, um, Windrush and so on, um, and, they, and they, they've been in in the UK since you know the the late forties. Um, it shows you know not only a complete failure of assimilation, but also a question of whether or not that's even possible. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's, you know, again, you know, these are these aren't groups who you know who grew up inculcated by you know uh the regional culture of where they come from that the, these people are you know in the eyes of the liberal british just as much as you or i um yeah. and yet you know if, if your theory is correct and this was started by uh a match a game of cricket last month in dubai then um that that poses serious questions for the the policy what was immigration in the country that we 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 know we we know to be flawed deeply yeah the uh, the nation that tried to integrate its immigrants the most by not not by force not by franco method but by through um, just general you live in the same neighborhood you are treated the same you receive the same tax benefits was well, sweden and we know how that ended and uh, but that's interesting though because the, the 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 nordic countries now seem to be the most um gung-ho on on, yeah. on 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 amending that well because they've been scorched by their own eye yeah yeah they um what, what they did is they stuck largely middle eastern south asian north african immigrants into heavy heavy liberal sweden mm. and uh it's so i think some swedish politician well i, th I think scandinavia has now realized that it may not be the fault of integration policies, it's that these people do not want to integrate. If Ooh. if you were if you were to arrive from, if you're of South Asian heritage or Asian heritage in general, it places a heavy emphasis on honour and family ties, Ooh. and no amount of what Emmanuel Kant or John Locke said will ever change that. So they will arrive here, and they will go find their own. That's why there's Pakistani communities, Indian communities, Chinese communities, etc. And uh, so when these children are born on this island and they grow up, they are essentially living in a mini Pakistan or a mini India. And yeah. the children are born as well and they essentially live in a mini Pakistan and a mini in India. I mean, in many places where there are, there are Pakistani communities, they hold the annual festivals of Pakistan. You will probably see more Pakistan flags than British flags, despite, of course, this nation not being geographically or politically part of Pakistan. So that does raise raise that does raise huge questions, not about just general integration, societal cohesion, or even crime. It raises questions about national security, mm -hmm. because say going after Pakistan in the in the Hindu example, what happens if it all kicks off in the Aegean, and we have a large population of uh, Greek Cypriots, uh, diasporas, third, fourth generation immigrants, and also a large Muslim population who um, are, are rather fond of the, the very, very religious Erdogan. Mm. And you, you essentially have, the government will not be able to unite. 
it, it would be like if there was a large to the point of 10 20 percent of the population being of russian us and ukrainian heritage mm. it will just break out onto the street yeah uh, yeah like it, it will become sort of a, a proxy gang war and yeah the, the government can unite it the monarch can unite it because there's no you know there's no connection there um yeah I mean, there's a few things to say there about that where you mentioned those who who grew up in in the diaspora who are essentially you know in you know um sort of you know yeah little is about or, or, or little delhi where um so what often happens with those people is they will they will go home to those countries and be treated as outsiders there as well so i mean it isn't just you know the the host nation that's kind of suffering here is also it is the people themselves i mean it's 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 something that kind of hurts everyone involved where you know i, I do believe that all people are deserving of a home including us which is why you know um the way that we've done immigration is, is so egregious to me, but also it's not, it isn't fair on them either. Um, cause they're, they're robbed of that as well, where, you know, like doesn't matter what you, what lies you put in people's heads, you know, that they, they aren't English. They won't, they, they can't be, you know, same, same as that they don't want to be same, same Absolutely. as I, I could move to Kuwait and spend 20 years there and fully, you know, um, assimilate, but I wouldn't be an Arab, you know, yeah. I could be an Englishman in Kuwait. Um, and, uh the countries where they have the most sort of stable populi are, are the countries that are the most tough on immigration think japan hmm. and, and J japan you can you can move to japan you can earn money in japan you can be a pillar of society if you're not japanese i will never consider you japanese yeah but i know what you do japan has its own problems where japan is also going through yeah collapse but it's just it's just um... that, that's going through a a sort of less people but still japan it's just just japan will go through collapse rather than replacement um yeah. i mean there are there are fun examples where it, it's sort of you get a similar thing but not quite where you know like in my area there's in the last couple of years has been a, a big influx of um uh, hasidic jews and you know they're very interested they keep to themselves they they don't speak to anyone outside the community they you know they have essentially a micro economy um but it doesn't it doesn't sort of expand outwards it doesn't you know they don't go and ransack you know uh, safari mm. you know synagogues you know like um yeah you know like it, it's it, it's yeah it's a very bizarre question but yeah i mean so on the point of you know the, the, the whole way immigration is done it, it seems to just sort of hurt everyone involved because you know yeah um again i, I do feel so sorry for these um the, the children who grew up here who grew up in essentially these micro nations yeah. and they are imbued of the culture of that, which is completely foreign to, of course, the host culture. And now, as I said, Enoch Powell, the visionary, says that, as has happened in Leicester, one day the cultures are so stark and so different, people will come to blows. And once that happens, the, 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 the youth who have been brought up will be caught in the crossfire because they will have inherent loyalties to a, um, a nation that is now openly hostile to their presence. Yeah, yeah. And then also for them, you know, there's sort of no hope because again, you know, if they are repatriated, again, they, they will be treated at home as, an, as outsiders, you know. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, the, the damage is already done there. Um, you, know, you know, it's it's sad to see, you know, I'd, I'd you know, I'd be absolutely fine if, if, you know, Pakistan was a thriving nation, you know, if, if it meant, you know, that, you know, those people had a home in their own that they were proud of and you know could live comfortable lives in they just you know want the same for us yeah uh, and that that's 
what all people strive to, but but we also know that um, the immigration culture and the open borders that we have practiced have facilitated the creation of an unsafe nation, a, cre a creation of a low trust nation. Yeah. Okay, any studies and it finds that um, countries that are more multicultural, quote unquote, that have a more foreign born heritage living there, there is inherently less trust, less social cohesion and less involvement in community because people have no wider attachment to the mm. community because it's so starkly divided. So they're less charitable, they're less aspirational with their careers and they're more interested, not just to their own sort of ethnic group, but just to their own lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and the, the state of which, the, the degree to which immigration is to blame for this is, you know, sort of remains to be seen, but um, there's, you know, there's an Asian phenomenon, you know, called, um, yeah, the worst event of, you know, the, the, the bike outside the shop test. In, you know, if, if, you're, if you ride your bike to the local butcher or local co-op or whatever, and you do you lock your bike or not right yeah. now 60 70 years ago no you wouldn't because you know you probably lived in quite a small area or, if, or a small or you know a tight neighborhood and if you know if your bike was stolen you'd, you'd soon find out who stole it because they'd, they'd be riding it around right your bike um these days you know no there's no damn way i'd i'd, I'd you know like, even for even for a few minutes because i don't trust my neighbors to not to not see a bike i don't go oh mine mine now yeah, I mean, another test is, is of course, um, this is, provides a wider spectrum of how safe and trustworthy uh, a neighbourhood is. Uh, would you be a young woman who walks out at night alone? Now, of course, in this country, it's a stark no from start to finish. But in, in other nations, Eastern Europe, women can walk out with their friends in the dead of night and no one will touch them. That's not no, that... no, no one will even approach them. And in fact, if, if someone did... The whole community would turn into a lynch mob very quickly. Mm. That's not that's not to say that you know uh, sexual assault didn't exist prior to mass immigration, but the numbers have in 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 you know in many urban areas in Europe the numbers have skyrocketed in the last couple of years in a way that you know um, correlates quite conveniently with uh, the influx of immigrants, especially around twenty fifteen. I mean, think think you know uh, New Year's Eve in Cologne or. Um, or Stockholm now having one of the highest rates in Europe. Um, it's, um, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing to, to, to sort of face, but, uh, you know, it's necessary. Well, yes, if, well, the liberal delusion has been made clear, people and their cultures do not melt away. Hmm. They stick with them because that's, it's a state of nature to them. So that's why when people from cultures that do not, place feminism very highly on the list that um does not place women autonomy at all on the list when they arrive in very liberal sweden or very liberal germany or very liberal italy there's that culture clash and then you have some men who think some men from these cultures they think that these women in their short skirts and their bare arms are fair game mm. Mm. Yeah. because that's that's how they've been brought up but you look at how with the grooming gang report, you see how these Muslim men viewed these young white girls. They they viewed them as meat, and they viewed them as uh, easy prey. Mm -hmm. And then with that comes a remarkable degree of gaslighting from 
um the police various mayors the media diversity is a strength you know diversity is vibrancy it's you know it's it's, it's having good food it's having awesome music and you know bright colors and and nice fabrics in the markets and that kind of thing when when you know the, the cold reality of it is that these people who say these things are you know they they live in one universe while creating the other you know they, they um they live in gated communities they, they live in you know all white areas they live in you know nice rural shires they're so divorced yeah. from what the, from what they've done that you know that they may genuinely believe that it's a strength because you know once a month that they, they can go into london and get you know a good shawarma mm. yeah I, i've been thinking about this that the gated community aspect is big as well but in, in these sorts of high socioeconomic liberal circles you probably do see if you go to a business conference of ceos or in like the tech business you probably do see a lot of women a lot of black women uh, you see uh, a lot of Indians everyone knows why they're really there everyone knows why they're really there yes but also despite them being of different races and coming from different cultures they ultimately share the same culture which is this cosmopolitan liberalism yeah so that's where I think some of it comes from from the NPC lot but yes all the uh, the, the political higher ups like, we know why they um Sure, you mean you I say like, like I do believe that the NPC lot would start echoing, you know, traditionalist and reactionary sentiments if that was what was, you know, sort of dictated to them. Um, it comes, it comes from a of it, and you mentioned, you know, the fact that they do have things in common. Well, yeah, because that's, you know, that's the Davos man. The Davos man is just as comfortable in Berlin as they are in Shanghai, as they are in, you know, Doha, as they are in London. You know, the, there is no. There is no loyalty to anywhere, um, any any locale. You know, it's just it's where the money is, where the power is, um, yeah. where their private jet can take them. Yeah, and uh, as I say, for the, their intentions behind mass immigration, number one is that it's definitely a, a cheap slave labor class. Mm. And the second is, of course, if you divide a people, they cannot stand up to their oppressors. This is not really going on tinfoil hat moment. I mean, um, also used to destabilize nations, and who says well, they can't do that from within? But the things, but we we said this in private many times, though that you know that that sort of the folly of politics and democracy is that you know it exists to um, misdirect the the almost revolutionary sentiment of people who've had enough of this shit, you know, because like they think that if they go into a little room once every five years and put a tick in a box, and they, then they're helping to guide the course when they're not. Yeah. Um, politics succeeds in very few things, and those things aren't good. Um, you know, yeah. and, and, and you know, and fundamentally, fundamentally, it's it's moral Kevlar for this, you know, ilk of man who, um, sort of, you know, are very sort of scientific in their thoughts and view society as being, you know, a petri dish, yeah, or, or a little ant colony that they can manipulate and talk, take notes on, study. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Biden administration has smuggled this uh, in the gene editing flesh. Well, I think Biden assigned a two billion dollar worth executive order to uh investigate examine more about crisp technology which is the explicit yeah, gene yeah. and uh to work on more mrna vaccines which are just on the way to gene therapy at the very least youtube don't censor us again or um what else are they going to do something about the space force probably oh no like a new era of biotechnology which is straight out of Klaus's book indirectly or directly mm -hmm. 
I think uh, I th- think this may be a question for another time. Um, mm, uh, yes, it, it's because we we would spend a, a day and a half talking about this. But um, in uh, in the meantime, I think we'll we'll leave it there for another episode of the weekend review. Um, n- another rambly one. Now that OSP is over, we, we can't really call them I'm sure OSPs anymore. But um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> the old Sam and Luke show. So uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I hope, hope you've enjoyed listening to our. Uh, disjointed rambling. Uh, Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week. Cheers.